you are doing. Father God, you are proven right in so many ways that any reasonable person today can see that this country and this world are broken. What would have been considered insanity 10 years ago is now mainstream. And I am looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and cleans up this mess and takes us to be with our forever home with him in heaven. Thank you for giving us the security that, uh, that any believer in Christ uh, has a home in heaven and will escape this wrath. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your holy word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Pastor Hunt with us this morning, and please put in his heart what you would have him and his mind, what you would have him teach us, and help us to have ears to hear and to take to heart what we are taught today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, and thank you for that introduction. I am uh, Bob Hunt, and I, don't always, I always want to remember my wife, Dawn, who is sitting here in the front row and has accompanied me this year. As you know, that uh, a man is nothing without his wife, right? Come on, man, you need more of enthusiasm than that. And so uh, we thank God for the wives that we do have. Uh, I do work for Zion's Hope. A ministry started by Marv Rosenthal, who has now been with the Lord for about a year or a little over a year. Ministry is taken very strongly and well by David, his son. Marbeth still works there at Zion's Hope in the accounting department. And so um, it's it's just a joy to be with you all. We do do a lot of teaching. We produce a magazine, Zion's Fire, uh, which your pastor has put in an article or two over the years. Where is he? There's Steve. Uh, I don't know what I... Do we need to turn this up? Do it closer. Okay? We good? This technical stuff. Um, i got to ask you how you got in the article. I can't seem to get an article in, but that's okay. Uh, one of the things we do is we reach out to the uh, Jewish people in Israel. Uh, we have a team of missionaries there who are Israeli citizens who have been there. Uh, Marv started that years and years ago, decades ago, and it continues. There are churches there um, that Marv was integral part of planting, and they continue to be there strong. Uh, although a very minor part of the Israeli culture, uh, there's two churches that we are closely associated um, with. And we've had a couple of missionaries pass away over there, but we've also had some come up also. And so they have been, uh, Tony Simon, I don't know if you remember his name, but he was a, a strong evangel- evangelistic type preacher. Um, he was our John the Baptist, so to speak. Uh, he, would, he would come up to you, and I remember he used to say, hey, your shoelace untied, do you know where you're going to go to heaven if you fall? <laughs> He'd come up with stuff like that. But his son, Joshua Simon, has now taken over as pastor of his church and also has joined our team, too. So... The uh, ministry, although some of the players have passed on, have continued. 
And so the uh, organization does retain a very Jewish um, flavor to it, and I love that. And so we all gather, as I would say to our Saturday night group, I teach a Saturday night group, I would say, praise God, Yeshua HaMashiach. Yeshua is Jesus' Hebrew name, and HaMashiach means the Messiah. So we come and we praise him this morning. We're going to be looking at chapter 9, beginning in verse 8, and if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn there. We're going to be looking at the northern tribes of Israel, the ten tribes in the north, and I want to look at their decline because I believe and feel strongly that our nation also is in decline. And as we were told, we don't want to be asleep to what God says about that. And we can see the declines of nations all around us, but it it burdens my heart to see what's going on. Uh, So this is not a message of, of one I would say I'm very happy about, but it's one that we need to be real with, and we need to pray for our, our nation. And as we look at the northern tribes of Israel, we'll notice that they ignored God's word. They ignored God's word. I'll start right there because as a nation, we also, I believe, not everybody, but as a nation and as a whole, we are more and more ignoring God's word. And so I'd like to take a look at uh, Israel, their, their collapse, their failure in light of what's going on in our country also. So if we could uh, go next. I want to look at the uh, next slide, and we'll see. There we go. I did a little research to see what the history teachers say are the, what, how a nation progresses. And as you can see, it starts with pioneers. They call it an outburst, so the ones who started it. It starts with a war. Next will be number two. It goes to commerce or growth, then it turns into being wealthy. I mean, you can hear our nation in this, can't you? But these are natural, historical intellectuals who put this together. The number five is intellect. We get smart and innovative, sometimes too smart for our own britches, right? It's an old colloquialism. Uh, The next one is six, decadence, immorality, then a weakening of the nation until finally there's a collapse. If you look at that, I know we've already decided where we are. Um, We obviously haven't collapsed yet. We're still here. I would say we're in the weakening stage, if that was me, and that makes me nervous. It makes me sad because I love our country. It's a country that has Uh, benefited the entire world, has promoted freedom, has given us a platform to even be here today. And I cherish the freedom we have to be able to speak about Christ freely and not any hindrances. And and I fear that that those days are coming to a close sooner or later. Biblically, we know they will. But these are historical and intellectuals that have come up with these. But as you ponder it and look at Scripture, I think you'll see that it's more of a moral failure in God's eyes. It's more of a sin nature, and it's a judgment of God when a nation 
falls. And we see that happening throughout Scripture. We'll look at the next slide, and we see here in Leviticus 18, 24, 25, this passage talks about the Canaanites and those who were living in the area before Joshua came in with the Israelites and conquered the land. The land was not conquered, and the Canaanites were not killed because of how good Israel was. It was a judgment by God on the Canaanites. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled. Therefore, I will visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. He's talking about the Canaanites. God is bringing judgment upon them because they have become so immoral, so idolatrous, that God is closing out that part of their history and is giving the land over to Israel. Israel will also bear the punishment of God's judgment when they become sinful. First Israel, the northern tribes, then Judah, the southern tribes. But then if we see in the next slide, we see that the ones who punished Israel and Babylon, they themselves were punished. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 12, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Syria and the glory of his haughty looks. Now I want you to pay attention to those words, arrogant and haughty. Those are positions that these countries have taken in their own life. They're reflecting the people. They're reflecting who they think they are. They have become haughty, and they think that they are the ones that conquered Israel, when in fact it was God. They were simply a rod, a tool of which God used to bring judgment. And then again, later on, the next slide will show that Babylon, with King Nebuchadnezzar, came in and conquered the land of Judah this time. In Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of Chaldean's pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Again, the tool that God used to bring down Judah, or the southern tribes, is now going to be taken down by God, and judgment will be had. And if you look in our books in the Bible, you'll see how decadent and how immoral Babylon became. We also know how proud King Nebuchadnezzar was. We remember the the scene in in the Bible. My point being, God is in control. He is in control of every nation. He decides when a nation will rise. He will decide when a nation will fall. Yes, the history books can give us eight stages of collapse, But God tells us it's the moral collapse. It's the sinful nature of that nation that has led to his judgment. The world will become more and more sinful. The world. And as the next slide will show us, God will judge the world. 13.11 of Isaiah, I will punish the world for its evil. I believe this to be an end times verse talking about the nature of where not only our country, but all the countries of the world. 
Then you punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud. You can't help but see that running through all of these nations. They have gotten so proud yet so sinful. Bold sin in the face of God. And will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And that's all nations he will bring that upon. So that's where we're going to start. God is in control of all nations, including the United States of America. He's in control. He gives us the freedom to do a lot of things, but he is ultimately going to decide our fate and our future. I've always thought, and I think my wife has always agreed, that we've always wondered how the end-time events in the Middle East will occur given the strength of the United States of America and its adherence to the nation Israel. I was like, how, how is that going to happen? And one of the ways it can happen is through the weakening of the U.S. From taking away its strength, taking away its influence, taking away its power in the world, we will no longer become a power. It saddens me. I recently saw that we are no longer have the largest or strongest army or war uh, in, the, in the world. We have been passed by China, and we continue our decline. We continue our decline in a moral sense, too. I don't have to tell you that. You already know that. But I think a lot of our country is blind to that aspect or just doesn't care. But when we look around the world today, doesn't God know what's going on in the United States or Russia or China or Turkey? I wondered about Turkey and all the deaths over there. It saddens me to so many lives. Could Turkey be under some kind of judgment of God? Perhaps. I never like to point fingers like that, but I can't say it can't happen. Because God's in, ultimately in control of all of these things, is he not? So if an earthquake happened there, he'll, he, he was part of the process. Individuals and nations will face God's judgment and his wrath when they sin against him. Individually, we will face it, and as a nation. The only hope we have is in Christ, our Savior. The passage I'm going to look at today is, begins in verse 8 of chapter 9. It's written by the prophet Isaiah. And I want to show you in the next slide how the book of Isaiah starts in 1.1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. I'll stop there. He was a prophet settled in the southern kingdom. Although our focus this morning is on the northern kingdoms, he had a lot to say about the northern kingdoms, but he was located and he lived in Jerusalem. He had a great ministry, a long ministry, as we'll see. He was in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, and most people believe even into Manasseh's days, the next king. So he was there for a long time. Today's message was probably pointed at the time of Ahaz, when he was ruling. If you look at where it's placed chronologically in Isaiah, it's coming during the reign of Ahaz, who was not a good king in Judah. But that helps us frame the time. When did Ahaz rule? 
He ruled from 735 to 715 B.C., roughly, roughly. And we know that Israel, the northern kingdoms of ten tribes, they fell in 722 B.C. That's history. That's a fact. The Assyrians came in, swooped into northern, northern Israel and took them away hostage and planted their own people in there. So 722 B.C. So this message from Isaiah is prior to that, but probably not long before. God is going to really pretty much tell them and us, empower them, you're in coming and coming against the northern tribes of Israel, yet they have not returned to him. Wake up, America. What do we have to see? We're so prideful. We'll fix it. The disasters can come. We'll rebuild it. The hurricane blew just south of here. We'll rebuild it. Now, I can't say every disaster that happens, but it should make us think of who's in charge. It should bring us to that point where we're thinking, perhaps, it could, it was to this nation here, pride. Boy, the pride is number one when a nation falls. I'm going to step on a few toes here. I'd like to say it's unintentional, but it's not. So... Lee Greenwood wrote a song, and you'll hear it in the coming months. Memorial Day will run around, and especially Fourth of July. I wish I wasn't up there yet. But he wrote a song, I'm proud to be an American. Now, take this the right way. I am not woke. I do not hate my country. I love it. I said that at the very beginning. But I hate the sinful condition we're in. Am I proud that we are so sinful? We shouldn't be proud of that. So I got my pen out and I started, you know, this is a song that the Israeli people wrote back in the 700s. I was going to sing it to you, but I don't think so. But I'm proud to be an Israeli because God has chosen me. I'm free to worship who I want, no matter what he says. Proud to be who we are. I mean, that's what God's condemning the nation Israel for. So the next time somebody sings that song, you can add in my lyrics, be free to do that, and then run. But we need to be careful of what we're prideful of. Well... God's anger was not turned away in that part of the poem. Let's turn to the next one. This one we'll pick up in verse 13. And I call this one political collapse, corrupt leadership. Now, I know this doesn't ring a bell with any of you. Yes, isn't it funny how the Bible speaks to us? People don't change. Nations don't change. And that's the point. God brought judgment upon his chosen nation, Israel, for the very same things that we seem to be doing and experiencing. God said, I brought national disasters upon you. You didn't return to me. My hand is still out. Okay. God, in verse 13, let's read it. Uh, For the people did not turn to him. I mean, that's our loving God. He wants us to turn to him. It's not a hard concept to 
follow. He wants us to seek after him. We are so proud. We are so arrogant. We are so hard-hearted. We won't do that. For the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore, the Lord will cut off head and tail from Israel, palm branch and bulrush in one day. The elder and honorable, he is the head. The prophet who teaches lies, he is the tail. And the leaders of this people cause them to err. And those who are led by them are destroyed. Therefore, the Lord will have no joy in their young men, nor have mercy on their fatherless and widows. And everyone, get that? Everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer. And every mouth speaks folly. For all of this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. That very first sentence in verse 13, they don't seek after him. Israel, as a country, was not seeking after God, not with their whole heart. Oh, they may have had worship services, but they weren't seeking him and who he was. Isaiah 31.1 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, not seeking the Lord, and rely on horses, that's their power, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. What's it say in verse 1? Woe to them who don't seek him. This passage in Isaiah from 13 to verse 17 is all about what God is doing in our leadership in Israel. They were corrupt from top to bottom. The government, the kings, those under the kings, the priests, the religious people were preaching lies. They weren't preaching the truth of God's words. They weren't opening up the scriptures or the scrolls back then and teaching the people. They were preaching lies. They preached what they wanted to hear, what they wanted the people, what tickled their ears, in other words. How hard is it to make a connection to our world today, our country today? It has crept in, has overwhelmed, has overtaken our churches. The preaching of lies, not truth. God has cut off. In other words, he's removed leaders. You can see good godly teachers have been removed in our country. I fear the day when I can't point to one that I said, he's a godly preacher. One by one, they're disappearing from the pulpits and being filled with younger people, perhaps young men, bringing lies, bringing what the culture wants to hear, what the culture wants to present to us, and they're preaching to us lies. And the people are leading people, the leaders are leading people into sin. They're leading them and causing them to err, it says, to sin. It's filtering through all of the congregation, through all of Israel. It's in our country now, lies after lies after lies. We're not preaching God's word. We're preaching what people want to hear. And now people don't even seek the true God anymore. Beware of the leaders you follow. I'll look at the prophet Hosea. 
Hear this, O priests. Take heed, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king, for yours is the judgment, because you have been a snare to the mitzpah and a net spread on Tabor. They do not direct their deeds toward turning to their God, for the spirit of harlotry is in their midst, and they do not know the Lord. I still remember the sermon that Adrian Rogers preached long ago. He said, you are, we are one generation away from losing our country because we don't teach the word of God. And that's what this condemnation, they do not direct their deeds toward turning to their God. Let's move to the next one found in <clears throat> verses 18 through 21. I've labeled this one social anarchy. Wickedness running wild, in other words. I know, it's getting too close to home on this one. Remember, we're going down that collapse time, and we haven't hit the bottom yet. Verse 18 begins with, For wickedness burns as the fire. It shall devour the briars and thorns and kindle in the thickets of the forest. They shall mount up like rising smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is burned up, and the people shall be as fuel for the fire. No man shall spare his brother, and he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry. He shall devour on the left hand and not be satisfied. Every man shall eat the flesh of his own arm. Manasseh shall devour Ephraim, Ephraim, Manasseh. Together they shall be against Judah. For all this, his anger is not turned, but his hand is stretched out still. The nation is turning inward against itself. That's what's happening here. Wickedness has run rampant. It burns like a fire. And if you've seen the way fires burn, they just roll across the countryside, taking down everything in sight. It devours everything. Picture wickedness being just like that. Love growing cold in our country. Every man for himself. National greed at a large scale. And look what it says here when it talks about Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, Manasseh and Ephraim are the sons of, um, of Joseph. They were brothers. Judah, a relationship. That's the southern they should be a country, a unified country of brothers together. Instead, it says, they shall eat the flesh of his own arm and devour each other. What does that mean? It's not cannibalism. It means every man for himself. It means, like I said, social anarchy. People running wild. Things like breaking into different supermarkets, taking what they want killing people left and right to satisfy their own greed. Just social anarchy, running wild, it says, like a fire. Brotherly love has disappeared. This is Israel. This is, I think we've seen it. We saw it in our own country. We're watching it still. Every man for himself, self-centeredness. Society has disintegrated that it's no longer a unified brotherly type of country. You have to wonder, united 
States of America. How united are we really? It's running wild. It's, it's just everywhere. It's everywhere. Wickedness permeating even the churches. God's fire of wrath. There are actually two fires in this passage. The first is the fire of sin. Fire of sin as it runs. Wickedness burns as a fire that in verse 18. But God's wrath. Verse 19, the wrath of the Lord of hosts. The land is burned up. That's his fire. God is bringing judgment. And how does God bring judgment a lot of times? By allowing sin to run rampant without stopping it. So the sin, God's judgment could very well be just hands off. You're heading down a path and it's, it's permeating your country. The minor prophets had something to say about this also. Look at Hosea 4, 1 and 2. There is no truth or mercy. Truth. There, there is no truth, is there? Have you ever heard that? Truth is in your hands if you have a Bible. But we have made truth something that it isn't now. People will tell you there is no truth, and Hosea says the same thing. There is no they have prescribed to rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. What will you do in the day of punishment and in the desolation which will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your glory? Without me, they shall bow down among the prisoners and they shall fall among the slain. For all this, his anger is not turned away. And his hand is stretched out still. Patient God holding his hand. Who are you going to go to for help? You can't go to the government. It's corrupt. The laws they write. Corrupt. They're not God's laws anymore. They're teaching you lies. They're doing lies. Just think of our world. Abortion. Is that God's law or man's law? Gender perversion. God's law, man's law. How about identity issues? Racial equity? All of these things are unrighteous laws and decrees that we have. And I could go on. There are many, many, many more. The same was happening here in Israel. We already talked about the leaders being corrupt, and now they're writing corrupt laws. God's anger is still there. It's not turned away. Who are you going to go to for help? If we can look at Amos chapter 5, verse 10. They hate the one who rebukes in the gate. They abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Amos is talking about the people in Israel. Don't tell me what the right thing is to do. Can you see how corrupt this nation had become from the top to the bottom, to the laws they were writing, to the wickedness that they had, to the lifestyle they lived? Yeah, sounds way too familiar to me. This is God's chosen nation from Mount Sinai. This will be my treasured possession. 
but about us as a country. Brings me to my final point, and it's not in Isaiah, but I will use the minor prophets, religious hypocrisy. Religious hypocrisy. During this time in Israel, they still had worship services. They still went to their synagogues. They still opened their arms up and prayed to Yahweh. However, it was all hypocritical. You can't come to the Lord and live a lifestyle that we've just heard. Walk in on a Sunday morning, open up your arms and expect God to be all listening to what you have to say. Yet, that's what's happening in our churches today. Let's listen to, let's hear, listen to the words of the Lord through some of the minor prophets. Hosea 10, 2. The heart is divided. That means it's going two different ways. Now they are held guilty. He will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. You come to the Lord with a divided heart, one in the world and part in the Lord, God's going to just break down that whole worship service. Destroy. That doesn't please the Lord. This is Israel at this time. They thought that they could live the lifestyle on Monday through Saturday or, or back then Sunday through Friday and, and live any which way they want. And then come in on Sunday morning, everything's okay, Lord. No, it's not. Hosea chapter 2, verse 11, the, the next one says this, I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, and all her appointed festivals. We know how he stopped it by destroying the nation, 722 B.C. They no longer had a nation to do these worship services in. God put an end to it. Amos chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. Remember, these are the prophets speaking to Israel. Come to Bethel. And this is sort of sarcastic. Come to Bethel and transgress. Bethel's where they would worship. What's he talking about? You mean I go to church and I'm sinning? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. If you come with a divided heart, if you come with a heart that's full of wickedness and evil, if you come with a heart that's rebelled against God, he's saying you're sinning when you come and sit in this pew before me and transgress. At Gilgal, another place where they worship, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every day. Can you hear the sarcasm? Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Well, leaven we know from the New Testament is something sprinkled with sin. Another word we could use. Bring your thanksgiving sprinkled with sin on it. Is this all going to please God? Proclaim and announce the free will offering. For this you love, you children of Israel. Can you hear Amos condemning them? It's coming from the Lord. Yet on and on and on our services this morning... Many of them, and I'll step on a few toes, all right, Steve? Many of them being led by women pastors. Timothy says that's not to be so. That's what God's words. Oh, that's Old Testament. That's, that's the Bible. That's then. No, that's now. Many of our worship services are led, and this is recent, by homosexuals. Debates going on 
in churches. Can, can a homosexual lead worship? Be the pastor? In spite of what God's word has to say about the whole issue on homosexuality. About transgenders, the new discussion. I mean, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a he or she, you know, here's my titles. Call me nonsense. God made man male and female. I don't know why this is so hard. Is God going to be honored by a guy getting up there dressed in a dress and trying to lead us? But this is happening and we're applauding it. I go on and on. But sin has infiltrated our religious services. Well, this is going to lead to Israel's collapse. In the next one, we'll have the collapse of Israel. One of the clearest places to see that is in 2 Kings chapter 17, 5 through 18. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can go and look at it, but if we can look to the, the slide, just verse 18, turn to, turn to verse 18, we'll see the collapse. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel. Remember, he had held his hand out still. His wrath was angered, but he was being patient. But there comes a point where God's patience has turned to judgment. For hundreds of years, God held his hand out against the nation Israel. But there came a day, 722 B.C., his hand came down on the nation. He was very angry with Israel. He removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. So the southern tribe of Judah was left in the south. To this day, I'm amazed by Judah just watching all of this. Knowing. They heard the prophets. They heard Isaiah.